please turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. We are going to finish this chapter today. Again, I'm not in a hurry to get through it. However, we are on the last verse in this chapter. The Apostle John here says, in 1 John 2 and verse 29, he says, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. So what we see now, what, what we're noticing here is that the connection, there's a connection that exists between knowing God and doing what is right or a righteous lifestyle. And furthermore, this righteous lifestyle is really what distinguishes God's children from the devil's children. And that's how it, they can be identified. <clears throat> Thomas F. Johnson put it so well when he said, it is a passage dominated by ethics, particularly an ethical concern for righteousness and sin. It compares two families, the children of God and the children of, de of the devil. All right, that's my introduction. Now let's get into it. <laughs> okay. The key uh, phrase here is the term practices righteousness. I want you to notice, he says here, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. To practice righteousness is, means to practice righteousness as a way of life. It talks about righteousness as a habit. We're going to talk about this today. Now, what I want to do is go in the other direction just for a minute and talk about what it's not. Okay, because I think sometimes we need to know what it's not so that we can clearly understand what it is. So many people act righteous on the outside. Hello. Okay, they're nice on the outside, but on the inside, they're not so nice. Don't ever get good manners mixed up with righteousness. Or dressing well mixed up with righteousness. Jesus put, put it this way. And let, me, let me go to Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> it's not to be confused with doing good, Jesus says, to be seen of men. He says in Matthew 6 and verse 1, he says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men. Notice charitable deeds. They're not just good deeds. They're charitable deeds. Okay, he says that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. A lot of people find, you know, um, value in their life by how many people acknowledge that they did the right thing. You know, and then when you don't, oh, you're hard to live with. I'm talking in husband and wife, you know, <laughs> okay? Let's just get right down to it, man. I mean, the husband does something, the wife doesn't see it, the husband's upset from then on, I'll never do that again. And vice versa. Usually it's the vice versa part. That's why I use the husband first. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. You know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> All right. See, this is, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about doing things because it's just in your nature to do it, not because you are looking for a thank you for doing it. Now, thank yous are great. And, you know, people should thank you. Can I say that? But don't look for people to thank you. Your reward, listen, are you listening? Antennas up, please get this. Your reward is not based on them thanking you. Can I say that again? For some reason, we think if people don't acknowledge us, people don't see us, people don't thank us, we're not going to get rewarded. 
Jesus has a whole nother view on that. It's the total opposite of what I just said. Can I read the rest of the verse now? <laughs> Let me read the whole verse again. He says, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Bummer. Okay. <laughs> okay. Listen, man. If you're looking to be thanked, you're not getting anything when you get there. Are you with me? We have to be so careful that we are not doing stuff to be thanked. And therefore, you know, when we get thanked, we think, well, now I have a reward in heaven. You just lost it. Now, that's if you're looking for it. <laughs> okay? If you're not looking for it, if people are thanking you because you're just doing the right thing, because it's in your nature to do it, then you have two rewards. Isn't that lovely? You get thanked down here and you get rewarded up there. Amen. That's the kind of life you want to live. Do you know why you want that kind of life? Because that way you, you keep a smile on your face, regardless of whether people thank you or not. You continue being the person that blesses other people and also uh, that makes God happy. Can I just put it that way? I'm trying to think of a big word here, but you know, we just can we just make God happy some days? Amen. You know, he's always doing things for you without telling you about it. That's a problem. Because we don't acknowledge it. That's why I said live a thankful life. You know, that's one of the secrets to being blessed is just be thankful. Now, not for the bad things, okay? For all the good and perfect gifts. And when something that's not good and perfect comes along, rebuke it. Don't thank God for it. Are you all with me? Yeah, we need to learn some of these things, family. Because if you thank God for the good things, I guarantee you when something bad comes along and, you know, you talk to God about it, he'll say, don't worry, I'll take care of it. You know why? Because you're expecting him to do the right thing by you. Because you are always doing the right thing by others and him. Whatever you sow, you reap. Galatians 6, 7. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. That's how it works. <laughs> That's my translation. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. This is what the Pharisees did. Why Jesus says, now we'll go to Matthew chapter 23 and verse uh, 27 and 28. He says there, Matthew 23, 27. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Interesting. Did you notice the word hypocrites? It's a lot of them today. You might not be a scribe or a Pharisee. And I'm not saying you, but you know, people out there, they might not be scribes and Pharisees. But you know, they fall in this category. Let's see what he says. He says, for you are like whitewashed tombs which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. He is making a distinction between what's on the outside and what's on the inside. That everybody, what everybody sees on the outside totally contradicts what's actually going on on the inside. You know, that's where the term don't judge a book by its cover comes from. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay. Don't be influenced by how well-mannered and how well-dressed people are. Amen. Let's move on. Verse 28. Because this is the verse I want to come to. <laughs> he says, even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. I, I told you, we'll get to the positive in a minute. Okay, all right. Are you, did you notice what he said there? 
Outwardly, you appear. Inwardly, you're full of bad stuff. And notice the two things, he says, hypocrisy and lawlessness, which means they do the wrong thing, and they're hypocritical about it because they pull you up for doing the wrong thing. They make you feel bad for doing the wrong thing. Well, they excuse themselves and keep doing it. Are we like that? There we go. Drop the bomb. <laughs> Can I say don't be like that? Isn't it interesting how we excuse ourselves when we do something wrong? Well, I was having a bad day. You know, and everybody has a bad day. You can't expect them to be perfect all the time. You know? Come on. I know I'm pulling a few files here. Or people around you that you know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my friend, my friend. Okay, all right. One of those. Let's go there, shall we? Right. But somebody else does something wrong. They're not allowed to have a bad day. How dare they? I mean, I don't care what sort of a day they have. They shouldn't treat me like that. They shouldn't have said that. They knew better. Can we flip that? Can we make all the excuses for them and not excuse ourselves? If we judge ourselves, we will not be judged. If we don't, we will be. <laughs> it's the rest of it, okay? We need to understand, if we acknowledge, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If we, if we complain about somebody else's sin, then we're adding to our sin. Nothing's forgiven. You're in a worse place. Are you with me? If there is a situation, I dealt with this last week. And see it on YouTube, okay? Go on to YouTube, watch that. But <laughs> I dealt with this last time. Listen, you know, if there is a problem, if there is somebody that is really nasty and really a problem to you, you know, go to God in prayer. Let him know that. Don't hide things. Just go to him and say, that is a very, very bad person, okay? I've done everything right, and they just do bad things to me. Can you fix it, please? And I forgive them. I have to, I have to forgive. I have to let go because I don't want their sin to become my sin and stop my blessings. Amen? So I'm going to let go of it, but God, you need to take care of it. Please and thank you. Amen. <laughs> okay? Now this is, okay, I'm not being reverent and everything else because that's how you feel on the time. In other words, there's no reason for you to have a bad attitude and miss out on your blessing. Amen. All right. The Apostle John in his epistle in 1 John 3 eight says there, the one who practices sin. Now I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. It's the only one that actually got this right. It, he says the one who practices sin as opposed to the one that practices righteousness. And I want you to notice the word practice in both. Okay? He says, First uh, John 3.8, we won't look at it in detail today, but I just want to bring it to your attention. He says, the one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. Alright? Do, do you see that? Okay, right, let's get back to First John 2.9. Now we'll get positive-ish. Alright. <laughs> In his commentary, Simon J. Kissimaki explains, and this is, this is important, God who is righteous brings forth sons and daughters who reflect his righteousness in their daily lives. That is you. Can you all say by faith, that is me? Please say, that is me. Okay? You are born of him. You have it in you right now to do the right thing. In fact, what you should have problems with is doing the wrong thing. It should really bug you, okay? It should really be an effort to do something wrong because on the inside of you, everything has changed. 
All things have become new and all things are of God. Remember that? Okay, in 2 Corinthians. All right. So we should, the, the moment that we got saved and born again, we changed nature. We should have changed nature. And so what this verse is telling us is that because we changed that nature within, then on the inside, there is a different nature and things should be coming out from the inside that um, manifests itself as good works, as good deeds. Are you all with me? So that you're not doing it because you're, you're looking for any outward recognition. You're doing it because you can't help it. Okay, you just, you know, it's like when you walk past something and it's, it's on the ground, you can't help but pick it up. I hope you all don't just walk past it. Okay, so <laughs> that, that, I'm just giving you a little example here, but that's what we're talking about. All right, therefore, this, the sentence, everyone who does what is right is born of God, does not describe those who do an occasional good deed. Rather, the sentence reveals the lifestyle of the person who is born of God, their conduct is right because they are children of God. Did you get that? Remember I told you again that this is what separates the children of God to families. The children of God from the children of the devil. Amen? It is the thing that tells. As to how this translates into our daily life, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, in verses 2 through 4, He says, therefore, when you do a charitable deed, now this is all of you, okay? Do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. If, you know, we talk about blowing a trumpet kind of in a, uh, not in a literal sense, but in the way of, well, I'm here, nobody else is. You know, Peter blew his trumpet. All others may forsake you, God, or Jesus, but I won't. And those words are what, what condemned him at the end. When Jesus said, you're going to de deny me three times. Don't put yourself up at the expense of putting somebody else down. Do you understand? You know what Peter just said? I don't know about all of them and I hope they stick with you. But I will do my best to stay with you. That's what should have happened. And maybe he could have said, you know, Jesus, you know, James and John, man. I mean, the three of us always been close to you. At least, at least maybe the three of us will be there. Um, I know I'm making this up, but you're trying to say, you, you know, you see the best in other people. Because if you do that, then you're not waiting for them to fail so that you can say, see, I told you. Okay, you become the other person. You become the person when you see people starting to fall off and fail. You say, come on, guys, you're better than this. He needs us now. We need to stick with him. He asked to pray for an hour. Let's pray. Stop falling asleep. Hello. Wouldn't that have been an awesome thing to read? But they all went to sleep. Including the guy that said, I'll do everything. What was I saying? <laughs> Amen. Be careful. Don't blow your own trumpet. Amen. All right. So he says, when you do a charitable deed, Verse uh, three. In fact, let me just go back for just a minute. Notice something else here. This is very important. After he says, do not sound a trumpet as the hypocrites do in the synagogues in the streets. He says that they may have glory for men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Did you notice that if you are looking for glory from people, if you're looking for outward thanks, that's all the reward you're going to get. Lap it up. 
Don't think that you're going to get this out here and then God's going to go, oh, and I'm going to bless you too. There's, you're going to have a disappointed dad. He's going to ask you a question. Did you do it for me or did you do it to be seen? Did you do it because it was the right thing or because you wanted to be rewarded? Why'd you do it? I leave that hanging. Verse 3. He says, but when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now, I want you to notice two things here. I want you to notice in verse 2, it says, do not sound a trumpet. What do trumpets do? Let everybody on the outside know what you're doing. What's the next thing he says? Get to the place where you yourself aren't keeping track of the good you're doing. You know, when he says, do not let your right hand know what your left hand is doing, it's, you, have you noticed that some, sometimes, sometimes, I'm being very sweet, uh, sometimes, you know, we, we keep track of the good we do for people. We may not advertise it, but we're keeping a little record. Now, I helped them three times, and I helped that person six times, and boy, when they were in real trouble, <laughs> hello, do you know what this is saying? Don't do that. Don't keep track. So A, don't announce it to everybody. And B, even if you don't announce it, don't keep track either. You know, people come to me and say, oh, you did this. And I honestly, I don't remember. Not because I have a bad memory, but because I don't keep track of things like that. Are you all with me? Do you know why? Because God is the one that rewards me and I'm only looking to him. I remember what he does. You ask me how God blessed you. Oh, oh, bless me. I'll tell you how he blessed me. Amen. But if you ask me how, you know, how many people have I blessed and what have I done, uh, I have a failing memory. It's best that I do. It's best I don't keep track because then the devil has nothing to use against me. He can't come and say, well, you did these six things for them and you asked them to do one thing, one thing, and they say no. I'm over-exaggerating, but you get the point. <laughs> That's how we think, you know? And it's like, That's it, I'm never doing anything good again. Oh, you lost all your reward now. It's all gone. Amen. Just don't, you know, one of the things that God teaches us to do is this. Don't expect to reap where you sow. So if I, for example, do a good deed, say to my dad, I'm not looking for him to pay me. Now, he may say he wants to pay me back. I don't want it. I, I, I'm doing it as unto the Lord. See, if I do it as unto the Lord, then it'll come from somewhere else. Do you hear what I'm saying? And boy, that has come through so many times. You know, I, I might help someone and from somewhere else I'll get blessed. So I'm not thinking now, okay, that's really good, but you know, they still owe me. Do you hear what I'm saying? Amen. You know, I mean, you just do what you need to do for the people that they need without strings attached. God, don't attach any strings to anything you do. Just do it because it's the right thing to do, because you can't help yourself doing to, but to do it. Do you understand? Okay, it's in your nature to do it. You just do it. Okay, it hurts when you can't and when you don't. Amen? All right. And then, we, and then know that somewhere, you know, God... He's not a, uh, he has, owes no man no debt, and the ladies too. Okay, <laughs> whatever you do, he will repay. Trust me, and he doesn't just pay back the same amount. He pays 30, 60, 100 fold. He gives it back so many times over, you think, <laughs> enough, Lord, enough. And the Bible talks about that, that you'll be going, that, that'll do, I'm happy, I'm more than happy. 
you can stop now, <laughs> okay? But you know what? Ecclesiastes says, you cast your bread upon the water and it will just keep coming back on every wave. Amen? You can never outgive God. <clears throat> and I'm not talking about money. I'm just talking about your life in kindness, in good deeds, in, in, in speaking good words to people, blessing them wherever and however you can. I, I will tell you, it will come back. When you're feeling a little down, somebody will go, oh, that's the person that cheered me up. I, I want to cheer them up. Amen? And they will bring life and joy into your life. Anyway, getting back to this, he says again, when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In other words, don't keep track. Verse 4, he says that your charitable deed uh, may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Amen. Did you notice reward you openly? It didn't say that he will reward you secretly. I think that's really interesting. You do everything as quiet as you can. And boy, when it comes on you, they know you won the lotto. Twice. And they're all thinking, I think that's fixed, man. How does anybody win it twice? Two weeks in a row, you know. You know what I'm trying to say? He rewards you openly. Things happen. You do things quietly and suddenly a position comes available and they just give it to you. They or they say, go to the interview. It's just a procedure. We just need to say that we, you know, interviewed you so we can give you the job. We want to give you the job. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? This is the sort of stuff that happens. Sadly, it's not happening because so many people don't know to do this. You say, well, I haven't heard of it. That's because nobody's doing this. Okay? You do the right thing and it will open doors that will astound you. Things will begin to happen in the spirit that will just amaze you. And you think, God, what happened? You sowed seed. You didn't ask for anything. You did it with the right heart. You did it as unto me. My turn to reward you openly. So there it is. Hallelujah. Amen. I, Howard Marshall writes, True righteousness, the kind that is shown by Jesus, is possible only on the basis of spiritual birth. Do you see the connection there? True righteousness, spiritual birth. No spiritual birth, no true righteousness. Okay? What John is trying to stress is that doing what is right is the consequence of spiritual birth. Hence, if a person does what is right, this is a sign of spiritual birth. And it is what gives us the assurance that we shall have confidence before him at his coming. This was the previous verse. Let me, let me just say this very quickly. There are some Christians that are stinkers. <laughs> okay? The Apostle Paul deals with them and he talks about carnality. That you are still carnal in the way you think, in the way you act. So I don't want you to think if you do the wrong thing one time, you're not saved. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Please, please don't walk out of here confused and like, oh my God, you know, I kicked the cat yesterday. I think I lost my salvation. No, 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 no. Just apologize to the cat. Don't do it again. All right. But you didn't lose your salvation. All right. Listen, man, there are Christians that do bad things. They're still Christians and God isn't happy with them. And God wants them to repent. Some do, some don't. For various reasons. I don't want to go into them today. Okay? But you need to understand, this isn't talking about that. This is talking about an inward nature that manifests itself in a certain way. And if that inward nature has changed, there will be a manifestation of some description on the outside. Even if you do the wrong thing and it really bugs you, it tells us something. That it is not in you to do the wrong thing. Do you, you, see, you hear what I'm saying? Okay, let's move on. According to the Apostle Peter, there is no reason why we should fail at this. 
He says here, it's, you know, he knows, right? This is Pete, okay, writing from experience now. And he realized why he changed at the day of Pentecost. Why before the cross, he denied Jesus three times. Why after the cross, he would stand up in front of a crowd, or the people that crucified him, and say, all of you sinned. All of you messed up. The people that he was afra so afraid of before, he stood up and convicted the whole bunch of them. He said, that Jesus that you crucified, <laughs> okay? It, it's by him that, you know, this guy's healed. And I mean, he just laid it on the line. And so he writes in 2 Peter chapter 1, latter half of verse 3 and into verse 4, he says his divine power has, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Notice all things? All right. The New Living Translation puts it this way. His divine power gives us everything we need for living a godly life. I love that. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, verse 4, by which we have been given, excuse me, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Notice the exceeding great and precious promises. So there is nothing. He's given us every good and perfect gift. We have a divine nature on the inside of us. And notice he says that there is this exceeding precious Great and precious promises. In fact, not only is, are there things on the inside of us working for us, but there are promises on the outside. If we pull them in, we'll add to what we have on the inside. And they are exceeding great and precious. They are powerful. They can do some awesome things. You know, this is one of the things that I, I've, I've come to realize. You know, when Hosea tells us, I think 4.6, says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. We're still in this. You know, we still don't understand some of these, you know, great and exceeding promises. We haven't figured some of them out yet. As smart as we think we are, we're not there yet. If there are things going wrong in our life, we still haven't got there. People say, well, we should be praying more. We should be having more faith. Yeah, but faith comes by hearing and hearing. And if you don't have the right thing to hear, you're still not getting the faith you need to overcome the problem that you have. For a long time, people didn't know about healing. So there was no faith there. So we all thought God was afflicting us. That he was trying to teach us a lesson. Yeah, go back to the word. Yeah, you missed something. <laughs> okay? And when we got that revelation, then things started happening. We started blaming him for everything. Okay? We started realizing we had a part to play in it. I am saying the same thing is true right now. If there's anything going wrong in your life, it means you're lacking some wisdom. You're lacking some insight. You're lacking some word of God that needs, that you need in your life in order to get yourself past the problem or the place that you're in. Are you all with me? Amen? All right, because the Apostle Peter is saying there is no reason for us to fail. There is so much in there. You are not going to go to heaven and God says, oh, I'm so sorry, I forgot to put that promise in there for you. Had I put that one in there, you would have been good. But I'm sorry, I kind of missed you, you know. There's a lot of stuff there, I kind of missed you. Will never happen. The only thing he'll look at you and say is, it was there, you didn't find it. You need to find it. Seek. And you will it won't fall on your head. You have to seek. Knock. It will be opened. Amen? You need to do some seeking and some knocking. If the asking part doesn't work, in whatever. Remember, it starts with asking. Then seeking, then knocking. Do whatever you need. Get there. 
Find, stop complaining and find out what you need to know in order to get you to the place of victory. Can I get an amen? Thank you. All right, amen. All right, and notice he says here, by which we, uh, uh, by which have been given to us exceeding, exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you, through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Hallelujah. There is no power that the enemy has that the cross didn't pay for. You have been delivered out of the power of darkness. Do you hear me? It has no more power over you. Now, you can decide to do the wrong thing. That's on you. There's no power that is over you that makes you do the wrong thing. That compels you to do the wrong thing. That just is at you all the time, day and night. Amen. That's why, you know, you can't blame people that, are, that don't have God and don't have this divine nature for doing the wrong thing. You don't know how they've been tormented. You don't know how they've been, I, I'm going to use this word, how they've been bullied into doing the wrong thing by the devil. The devil is a bully and he'll push people to do the wrong thing. And then he'll make everybody think they are a bad person. He'll never show himself. The very person that gets them to do the wrong thing will now come and accuse them and say to you, see, how can you love something like that? He plays both ends. Don't get caught. Amen? That's why the, the Apostle Paul says love never fails. Because if you can see through that, then the devil will stop playing these dumb games. Amen. Amen. Okay. All right, let's bring this to a conclusion. God has stacked the deck in our favor. We literally have everything we need to live a righteous life and prove to everyone that we are born of Him. Of course, this doesn't mean that we will be without sin for the rest of our life, but that we have the potential to overcome everything that the enemy can throw at us. Did you hear that? Amen? And that if we should ever fail, there's always 1 John 1, 9. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. It takes a moment to get back on track without losing your blessings. The longer you leave it, the longer you lose it, but it takes a moment to get back. Okay? Don't leave things... When you realize you're wrong and the, the Spirit of God is saying you did the wrong thing, don't fight it. All you're doing is messing up your blessing. And can I say this? In order for us to be a blessing, we need to be blessed. You can't be a blessing without being blessed first. Is that a big revelation? Okay. <laughs> Sadly, uh, and we, we see a, a, a situation here that not everybody in the body of Christ is willing to acknowledge their sin. And why the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 21, I shall mourn for many who have sinned before and have not repented of the uncleanness, fornication, and lewdness which they have practiced. Do you notice that? Okay. Those, he's mourning them because they're Christians. Notice it's 2 Corinthians. Corinthians had a lot of things going on there. Okay. You look at the Corinthians and some of the things that the Apostle Paul wrote there and you realize there is hope for all of us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, they did some stuff that you wouldn't even imagine to do. And God still delivered them. Amen. Returning to 1 John 2, 9, uh, 2.29 again. Notice finally that how the Apostle John concludes that verse by saying, You know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. The term born of him is the same verb used in John 3.7 where Jesus told Nicodemus that he must be born again. 
It is referring to being born of God, which is made very clear. We're going to look at this next verse next time. In 1 John 3, 1, where the Apostle John will go on to say, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Oh, hallelujah. Are you beginning to see the power behind that statement now? Amen. In his commentary, I Howard Marshall writes, The thought is that believers stand in a new relationship to God, that of children to a father. The point of the metaphor is to indicate that spiritual life comes from God through the agency of the Word and the Spirit. The Christian is thus placed in the same relationship to God as is occupied by Jesus, although John uh, preserves the distinction by reserving the name of Son for Jesus and referring to Christians simply as children of God. Amen? In short, just like in the natural realm, like begets like. And therefore, true righteousness is not forced, but that which flows from within. It is only possible if you're born of him. And why the Apostle John says again, as we conclude, everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Amen? Amen. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for a recreated spirit. We thank you, Father, for the new life that is in us. And Father, which manifests itself in deeds of righteousness. And we thank you, Father, that we want to be led by the Spirit in all things because we are the temple of the Holy Ghost, because Jesus Christ, you live in us. Why the Apostle John will say, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. We thank you that you have stacked the deck in our favor that we have everything that we need for, for living a victorious, prosperous, fruitful life. And we give you all the praise and thanks, Jesus, because it was all made possible because of what you did on the cross. And we thank you for that. And in your name we pray, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.